This podcast was recorded following prolonged exposure to the wine vortex. Listener discretion is advised. The Exton Moss Experiment. Adventures in wine and space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Episode 9. Doctor Who. The Birthday Episodes. Hello and welcome to another episode of our podcast. This is episode three of The Crotons. Which is my birthday episode. So that makes me very old. (laughs) Now this is something new for me because it's an episode of Doctor Who that I have never seen. I've never seen... The story, I've heard one of the Big Finish audios featuring the Crotons, which I seem to remember has the Crotons with South African accents. And they have. There they are. Troughton is by far my favourite Doctor. Um, and... I just get blown away by his performance every time I see it. Look at her. I'm not surprised that they put her on after Grandstand. Holy cow. But Wendy Pepper almost almost wearing some PVC. (laughs) (laughs) They they look as though they're waving kitchen implements at him. Just like the Daleks, in fact. But uh, in fairness... One's got pincers and one's got a claw. Now that can't be good. It's clear from that one shot there that they've got difficulty operating their own controls. Is this the first use of the hands? It is. Oh, poor Jamie. Worried that they might be leaving him. <laughs> Philip Maddock. And a chemistry lab. Fairly basic chemistry lab, but a chemistry lab. See, this is one of the things I love about my 1960s. God, look at those sideburns. I know, look at the state. But the <laughs> 60s TV did invited you, or demanded really, that you'd suspended your disbelief and use your imagination. Isn't it wonderful? We only know what the protons tell us. We don't stick. And it's that very 60s acting where it's all directed at the screen. Hello, so. yes. It's, not here, here. <laughs> it's all terribly pronounced. I was, was just looking at it. It's all RP. And if you look at all the laboratory equipment, it's all straight out of Hammer Horror. It's bubbling... Bubbling test tubes and cauldrons, as if they've not progressed beyond that. <laughs> I think, for the purposes of the recording, it must be stressed that we are both consuming gin, which doesn't have help. Fairly heroic quantities. Heroic quantities. Now, I'm on Bosford Rose gin with tonic, but you're on, you're still I'm on, on the I'm on the Martin Miller, the Icelandic gin. For anyone who's not experienced Doctor Who with gin, it's a joy to be held. <laughs> oh, Fraser Hines looks so young. I know, these are the glitter guns, aren't they? 
No, that's Revenge of the Cybermen. Oh, what are these then? This is, this is kind of a dry ice gun. Actually, though. <laughs> Those long sort of telescopic arm things kind of remind me of the glove boxes that I used to use when I <laughs> when I was working in a chemistry lab. Um, the crotons oh, actually look quite good Until if you can ignore the skirt. The skirt. What on earth were they thinking? Um, they clearly wanted the Dalek glide thing, but really, you're never going to get it with a skirt. But if you can ignore the rat in Talents of Wenchai, you can ignore the skirt in the Crotons. You know, the rat I don't have a problem with. The one that I do have a problem with, much as I've tried to ignore it, is the plastic dragon in Caves of Androzani. What a... Oh. I mean, the thing about that is that there is no reason for it to actually be there. It doesn't advance the plot at all. You see, here he is with his special black leader's uniform. <laughs> with epaulets. <laughs> You can tell he's in charge because he has epaulets. Father? Oh yeah, the one in the black top is the, is the leader of the uh, the Gaunts, and that's his son, who is supposed to take over from him as God leader. Almighty. Well, the son must have smoked a lot of fags. What age is he? And you're pulling way above your weight there, mate. Even with well, she's had her brain wiped by the Crotons, so. She spend, spends the vast majority of the time unconscious. Look, what are you going to do with me? You have no value. Well, what do you mean? That's you nice. You have no value. Has no authority. A vote was taken. A vote? Listen. Everybody in the city knows how the protons... Yeah, so he, he's now a bit annoyed Ooh. that Philip Maddock has discovered the power of democracy. I did like that. Fool, as he turned indignantly to camera. <laughs> Making sure they got his best profile. Behold, my RP voice. I must turn to camera and show you. Elec must be stopped. This is a natural pose when having a conversation with someone. I shall turn away and look into the middle distance. Or the Hartnell School of Acting. There is a way we can fight them, and that is by not letting them suspect they can, they're being attacked. Which translates to, we should do nothing. Yes. <laughs> we'll carry on the way things were before. Just think differently about it. Look at the, they, the fiddling they with their own control. with those controls. Not ergonomically terrific, Crotons. Oh. See, what does get me about Jamie is that he's thick when it suits the script, and then he can suddenly understand. Reckon, I mean, look at him there. There was a definite glance towards that component, whatever the hell it was, and full understanding of what it was, and then the next scene, he's just stabbing somebody through the art with a dirk. Well, we all, we all have evenings like that. Philip, look at that face. It's just a face that was born to play bad parts. There's not an ounce of warmth in it when he's on the screen. I mean, how would you like to die without knowing your reasoning? A foolish brag, I fear. 
So they've just said, we can't die, and then he's and then, well, going on to tell him how, how to kill them. But that's not really a, pro- a, a criticism purely of this story, is it? it you know, it's... A, um, and you will not die, Doctor, but I shall tell you every flaw in my plan before I do so. This is a really nice camera shot along the, uh, the barrel of, of the, yeah. the Croton's gun. And it's a step up from the normal quarries as well, isn't it? We're now 11 minutes in them. Troughton's hardly... Ah, he's, uh, there he is. He's got a shopping bag with him. It's carpet bag. Because this this will be studio where they're they're by by the um, the TARDIS, and it ties in really quite nicely with the location footage. Well, look that? at that! The TARDIS is on bloody casters there. You can see. Mm. There aren't many Doctor Who stories that throw chemistry down your throat quite as much as this does. <laughs> Mate, it's not as bad as. Again, apologies to any Trekkies listening, but um, there's one where. It's got a real terrible alien, the Gorm, or the, uh, something like that, and they have a fight on a hillside with Kirk. He just happens to find piles of sodium and piles of whatever he needs. Yeah. Because she's forgotten what the atomic number is. So whatever was vital in that bag has just fallen out of it. Yes. It's the equivalent um, of a modern Doctor Who villain being having a, a German accent and being very sort of Nazi about it. No, wait. I to be fair, they did that in Silver Nemesis. Ah, uh, here we go. The hats. What's she got sticking out of her head? <laughs> Because it does kind of look as though she's got the handle of an axe embedded in it. I'm more concentrating on the fact she's got her legs very strategically closed. Again, different viewpoint. Oh, my giddy aunt. Actually, it is actually sticking out of her head. What is that? And Jamie's just conveniently woken up and playing dead again. Now, I'd, I'd re- it's been a while since I've seen the Crotons, but I'd remembered it being a, a gap between episodes before you found out about the hats. Yeah, that would have been. You knew it would vanish like that, didn't you? Well, it only does that, you see, if I, if I remember to set the hats. The what? The hats. The hostile action displacement system. If the TARDIS is attacked, it automatically dematerializes. First, we destroy oh, he, he really does fill the screen when he's on, on side. From anecdote, it must have been a nightmare to act with because the lines were sort of guidelines. From there are some really nice sets in this, aren't there? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look anything like any any chemistry lab I've ever seen, but it, it's quite a nice ruin. Slings and fireballs. By Thunder Father, I have. 
Oh, those sideburns really are terribly <laughs> distracting. <laughs> it's not enough to have sideburns, they have to cover three quarters of his face. Fortunately, Jamie's heard all that and he's now off. You see, that's a little bit odd, uh, thinking that going into the machine means that you're dead because she's been in the machine and come out again. And that's why she spent so much time unconscious. Um, so of anybody in the history of the gods, she's the one that would know that you can go in and come out again alive. You'd never get away with that now. There was a lovely art shot there. And a, a skirt that was barely covering the goodies. Um, would you not get away with it? Not in such an explicit way. I mean, that was a ridiculously short skirt. Now you would have to wear yoga pants or something to... And it would be done in such an asexual way that you'd have to have a gay, a black and a disabled character in the same episode just to balance it out so as not to flood the Radio Times with letters actually compared to the mind robber she's pretty much wearing it uh, she's covered up yeah oh yeah she is she's even got a cape on oh they're getting upset oh, and spinning yeah, the, the heads are rotating well but at very different speeds. I was going to say, he's one, going, one's going berserk. One's at 45, one's at 33. And one, one's a bit, nah, yeah, I can't really be bothered with this. The levels of technology here are quite disparate, aren't they? But because of the plot, they're kind of supposed to be. Oh, right. Um, because the, their level of knowledge has been given to them by the Crotons. So there are some things that they're very advanced with and some things that they don't know an awful lot about. You know, I have to say, even though I've never seen this before, for, for, for all the piss that we've been taking out of it, production-wise, it isn't bad at all. Um, I I really rather like the Crotons. Um, I mean, if, when... if this was missing, it would be hailed as a classic. Uh, I think... Really? Okay. Well, no, all I would say is, if you look at some of the things that are missing and hailed as classics, I wonder how we'd think about them if they were found... I love the yeah. massacre. Think, think about the web of fear and how good that looks. Yeah, fair enough. And, it, and the, the, to a lesser extent, the enemy of the world, because I think the the bits in the uh, in Salamander's base really do look quite shoddy. Um, <laughs> oh, Terrence Dick still oh, after, even in those days. But it has tempted me to watch the rest of the story, so in that respect, it's worked. You haven't seen the you haven't seen this, and you call yourself a doctor. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the second of the birthday episode podcast. This time, it's my turn. I'm Ken Moss. I'm Simon Exton. And it's Invasion of Time, episode two from February 1978. And we have the Vortex title sequence, which just sends us 
chill down my spine every time I see it because it was the one that I first remember and it just looked wonderful. And we start off with the Doctor being confirmed as the president. I'm not looking terribly happy about it. You see, the trouble is that I'm Leela in chamois leather. Oh dear. I wonder why they put this on at tea time after Grandstand. I'm sorry, they, they had it right. Barry Letts had it right. Okay. Look at that, it's just obscene. You'd never get away with that now. This is exactly what you said about Zoe in her BBC in the last episode. Is, this is how attitudes have changed. You'd never get away with that now. It speaks volumes about the Time Lords that you've got a load of very old men and not a single one of them is glancing at Leela. If there's ever... If there's ever Empirical evidence that the Time Lords are asexual. This is it. <laughs> I never actually looked at it that way. Neither have I until now. God bless Jim. Well, for many reasons. But they have carried on the design work from Deadly Assassin. Yes. It's stripped down a little bit, but it's largely the same. I do really quite like the way the sur- their Surgeon General has said he needs peace, rest and medical attention while completely ignoring them. <laughs> ah, Milton Johns, there we go. He does smarmy like nobody else does smarmy. Too long! Me and my other two IRA conspirators! Yeah, not go too far down that road. Um... <laughs> It's, what it, it's really like it's going back to the Crotons South Africans in the 1960s it's uh, the IRA and the 1970s being a bit of a threat having a clue what's going on there so um, well, whatever they're giving you it's just come out, come out of a box marked X so they have already got him in a shroud, so that's not a positive sign. These time ones are very easily stopped. But they do have very pretty uniforms with cloaks and really silly helmets and enormous gloves. Yeah, because it. Stop that alien! Stop it. Oh dear God! <laughs> Tom doing his best bonkers acting. I'm going to say that the Time Lord equivalent of Donald Trump. Bruce is always quite an entertaining character. Yeah, I just wish that they hadn't overused the whole regeneration. He would have been marvellous. Either him or Angus Mackay would have been great, permanently as Barusa. What exactly are you playing And I do like the whole mentor ex student relationship that they've got here. He really was superb in the role, wasn't he? We can 
after you had your rest. And the alien has been oh. caught and expelled. He was at his very best, Tom Baker, when he was being serious. And the the pinnacle of that is probably Seeds of Doom. When he was, I once read a review that uh, I don't know what it is that he's ha- has happened before this adventure, but something's put him in a right mood. And it's probably it's right as that when he's being serious and a bit moody. The Fourth Doctor is brilliant. The whole season 17 nonsense. I mean, look at him here. Has he still got his waistcoat fastened and his cravat on? Largely. It's when he just adopts for the slung overcoat and the unironed shirt and this, that and the other. It all starts to lose its gravitas, really, when he starts messing about being Tom Baker rather than the Doctor. And the... The final costume where it's all shades of burgundy and everything. I love all that, though. No, but it comes across as too designed. This is absent-minded professor just throwing things together because he quite fancies them. Actually, I've never looked at it that way. That is not about... Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It's, it's like the scarf. The scarf is a bit of random insanity that he loves and throws on and it doesn't fit with anything else but works. Mm. When he gets the whole burgundy ensemble where it's um, it's all designed Designed. to fit in together, it looks too designed. And from that point onwards, the Doctor's costumes, certainly in the classic era, look designed. With this, it looks like something that somebody a bit odd would wear normally. (laughs) And all the preceding ones do. After that, it looks like something that... Somebody designing something for somebody who looks a bit. Do you know that it's not a bad shout? Is I mean, from certainly Davison onwards, and it gets on to at its absolute worst at the Colin Baker monstrosity, but also the the cricket gear that nobody realistically would wear. They'd question mark things all over the place. I'll give you that, although I do have a real soft spot for the season 18 burgundy. I, I really, really like that. That's because it looks like something that stepped out of an alternative Victorian London, which is my era. your kind of raison d'etre. Yeah. Why does he have his own little security guard in a, in a cell? Is the president by any chance still with you? Oh, he does smarmy no, no, no. so well. Smarmy as hell. Ding dong. Yes. Uh, thank you. He was talking to it into an eyeball, wasn't he? Was. He was. Cue Clara. And is it its name of the Doctor where Clara's slotted in to various stories? Yeah. That was where Clara appeared. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly they never had to deal with actual emergencies, so I have no idea how to deal with this random alien just wandering around. The whole helmets and uniform thing, it's very 1930s Flash Gordon. How does that costume cover her knickers? How? She may not have any. Don't be saying that. My 13-year-old self got just convulsed. It was only reading a history of the TARDIS prop that 
This particular version of the TARDIS, which is probably the least loved version, it appeared in Logopolis, Black Orchid and Castrovalva. Is that all? Yeah. After uh, season 18 started, it, it made three guest appearances. Is that because it collapsed on somebody's head? No, that was the original Hartnell prop. Which... There are apocryphal stories about that. Some people believe it still exists, others believe it was junked. Personally speaking, it was probably junked. I mean, it was a 14-year-old prop that had been assembled and reassembled God knows how many times. It probably skipped. See, I love K9. I was just going to say, I really did like K9. It wouldn't work at all without John Leeson. David Briley didn't work. See, this is my era of Doctor Who. Um, this was what I watched at my grandparents' house on a Saturday afternoon with, with poached egg on toast, and it was just perfect. There is... Well, go, sorry. I was going to say, because of that, poached egg on toast is my ultimate go-to comfort food. And it's because of watching 70s Doctor Who with my grandmother. Well, I was going to offer you Eggs Benedict for breakfast. Uh, I think that's probably the seal the deal. But there is the rumour that K-9 is in the 13th Doctor series. On some level. Don't know what. I hope so. I love K-9. They should really make the most of John Leeson while he's still around. We should do a commentary on K-9. On K-9 Adventure. Oh, K-9 and Company. That is my Christmas story. Every Christmas Eve, I love K-9 and Company. It's adorable. Plastic seats in the Capitol. What are they doing there? And what's that? Bell thing. What is that? I was just thinking how... There's a shoe with some a, black lace. Have they got a 12-year-old to do their decorations? She's knitting. There's a force field between you and me, between me and everyone. Doesn't she look like Perry? Don't you know this is one of the highest security rated... A little, yeah. And See, I, I'm fairly sure... This is, I'm fairly sure they got the idea for Romana from her. Why they didn't just get her, I don't know. Why bother? That's their affair. Do stop aborting about like that. It's really so undignified. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, another eyeball. Space traffic control. Space traffic control. Yeah. How are Do you it, doing? What? It's been Clearance it's been a long lights. time since I've seen this story, but I kind of remember her as being about my favourite character in it. Because crystal structure, atomic power and weaponry. On its way to blast some part of the galaxy to dust, I suppose. I wonder where she is. Well, she starts off being this this very. Haughty, oh, no, but distract, uh, distanced, yes, time lady, and then she, she changes throughout the the series, and she, oh, without throughout the the story, and she goes out and spends time with Shabogans. Well, yes, and then builds a DMAT gun under hypnosis. Isn't it rather fine? <laughs> On the other hand, if you had her, you would never have had Mary Tam. Ooh. To be fair, oh, even as, oh, even you as a gay man must admit she is a mighty fine-looking woman. She was when she was in her sixties. Oh, she looks incredible. She dresses like a drag queen most of the time. 
Fucking give up. <laughs> no. Come on, they, oh, uh, she's look, wonderful. She is. She's she's incredibly beautiful. <laughs> but that outfit in Logopolis <laughs> is what Bianca Del Rio would wear. Logopolis? Not Logopolis. Um, Rebos. I don't know who you're talking about. Mary Town with all those white... I, I know, the, ga- the, the galleon in full sail. Yeah, but I don't understand. Oh, do, 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 uh, Lily Savage. Oh, uh, yes, I'll give you that. Yeah. Who is the other one you mentioned? Bianca Del Rio. Don't know who that is. No idea. It, it's a more modern reference, don't worry. Right. But yeah, all of, all of her outfits in um, the Key to Time series, they're, they're very overblown and over-feminised in the way that drag queens are. And she looks great in them. <laughs> Romana the First is a drag queen. <laughs> that is just, I mean, unfortunately, I'm stripping all that down to Mary Tam, who is the most beautiful woman. Oh, she really, I believe, I understand her husband died less than a year later. In fact, at her funeral, I believe. Could be wrong in that, but I'm not surprised if that's the case. She Imagine being married to her. I saw her at a convention in Liverpool um, probably about 10 years ago. And even then, what a beautiful woman she was. Utterly beautiful. <laughs> oh, fortu- <laughs> fortunately, the plastic oh key God. that they've got He's fits just the TARDIS. waved random oh, bits of plastic at the, at the log and then discovers that if you stick the key <laughs> in it and turn it, it'll open the door. My <laughs> God. God, I love the gin. It is making these episodes so much more enjoyable. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, they, they look terribly dramatic. Hello? Yes, he's been in here and here. I think you should rouse him now. He's been asleep for a long enough. It's, it, I think yes, it's, it's all been terribly polite and terribly unpleasant to each other. Um, and we've all worked in departments like that where people are, are, are very smiley faced and stabbing you behind the back, and it just done. Very, very well. They've all got these really stupid gloves. <laughs> you massive you gauntlets, and you wouldn't actually be able to do anything with it. And he's got rings sewn onto it. I must. The violins have been absent for most of this episode, given that they are the primary threat. At the at this point. Actually, I don't think at this point you've seen the Vardens themselves, have you? The end of episode one, certainly. Gentlemen, I'm proud to introduce to you your new masters, and then they appear. Or is it at the end of this? No, I think all you've seen at the Vardens at this point is the is the sort of the silhouette. Oh no! It was only when he's he does the signing thing in episode yes. one, doesn't it? I've got a big shiny red eyeball. Go, canine, go! And this is where you first start to see they're desperately trying to find any set they possibly can. Look at the narrow thing there. Whoever's operating canine, they've got it bob on. Um, 
But this is where they just found random bits of places to film because there was, was it a scene shifter strike that meant that they couldn't do any of the internal tasks? Oh, and the rest, yeah. Um, so it's why episodes five and six, all the stuff inside the the um, the TARDIS is uh, nonsense. Some, some old hospital <laughs> or other. This is is where you first see the Baco foil. In terms of narrative structure, the Doctor going bad or appearing to, what a wonderful plot device. It really works. I'm proud to have been born during that episode, or within that week. Three days later, in fact. Yeah, that was good. It, it's been a while since I've seen The Invasion of Time, and... Oh, production man- unit manager John Nathan Turner. Oh, yeah. He was, he was... Getting his way up the ladder even then. So to speak. So to speak. I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for the second part of our interview with Colin Baker. This is a recording I made in 2006 at the Cavern Club at an event called Who in the Cavern? And the interviewer is Erica Edgerton. Right, so you started your fresh season, 1985, 45-minute format. Yeah, which is what we've got now. Which is what we've got now. And you got to take on the Cybermen in your first story. Was that really exciting, taking on one of the big monsters? Yeah, so it was really. I mean, when you're working with them, of course, you realise, I mean, the poor old Cybermen knows, I'm sorry to say this, but it's a bloke in a suit. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I said I wouldn't tell anybody that, but it it is. It's a man wearing a Cyberman suit. What, it's a man wearing a suit? Yeah. It's not real. I'm sorry. (laughs) After all these years, it can be said. And it's a mouth like that, right? Which they have to see through. So all they can see is a point about 18 inches in front of their feet. So all you've got to do is step smartly sideways and you're safe from the Cyberman. So it's all that running slowly. The Cyberman is following me. If you run at normal speed, you well clear. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite tricky to, to film with them. And, and the poor blokes inside there, they've all got bits of something stuck in them as well. Mm-hmm. The new Saturday look pretty good. They look pretty good. They're, 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 like they're, they're not merchant suits, they're real. And they're real. That's all right. I'm okay now. It was quite violent to stuck in the side. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I like when you smash things up. What's wrong with violence? I loved it. I loved it when you smash people up and shoot them. Computer games. Can't you kill 20,000 people before you have breakfast some kids? So, I mean, I had had noticed that they're avoiding any invisible deaths in the Phantom Doctor, aren't they? Yeah, they do seem to be. I mean, it's still scary. It's still very scary. I mean, those. I think Anthony Head was really scary last night. Mm. All that <laughs> stuff. But you know, they, you, they close the door and you hear. And you know what? That's worse. That's worse. It's, it's what you don't see, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine it, yeah. 
But I mean, we had some good old deaths, yeah, men in fats of acid. Oh, Avengers and Virus. That was good, wasn't it? Shooting the cyber controller. It was a program about Amsterdam. showing people violence on television and how corrupting it could be. And, and then people complained it was too bad. Yeah. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I happen to be in the minority. I love Tynash. It's all right. I like you know, people didn't like Tynash, and I kind of subscribed to that for a long time mm -hmm. without thinking about it. And then I watched it again. Uh, a few years ago, if somebody asked us a question, I thought I'd sit and watch it. Mm. It's all right. It's all right. There's a nice looking slope in That fellow who plays Mick Ross, I don't know his name, Mick Ross, who's quite fit. Just thought I'd tell you that. Judge the entirety of television output by how fit they are. How fit they are. Yeah. <laughs> and you? Yes. Yeah, well, fair enough, yeah. Girls are such shallow creatures, aren't they? <laughs> yes! <laughs> we can appreciate Doctor Who's a television programme and appreciate some hot male totty in it as well. you agree, girls? We've got Billy Piper, we yes. have got Billy Piper. Nicola Bryant's. Nicola, yes. <laughs> Nicola Bryant, indeed. <laughs> who is, who is, because uh, most of you know that poor Nicola's had a, a, a terrible health problem for the last year or so. And she is much, much better. Uh, yes, so, yeah, your first season was quite fun. I like that. I like all the action. I, I have no, I, I, I am very dubious about this whole thing about completely non-violent people sitting watching television and going, I must go and slaughter some people now because I've seen it on television. I mean, please. We see programmes about people being really nice on television. Mm -hmm. Does that make people really nice? No. <laughs> if you're really nice when you start, you're really nice when you finish, and you're a violent murderer when you start, yeah. you are when you finish. <laughs> I just don't get the correlation myself. You know, and you, you'd think watching television, everybody in the world is thick as well. Mm -hmm. Mind you. All around that. All around that, And I'm certainly not. <laughs> In that season, um, there's the two doctors, which I think is absolutely brilliant. I love that, and I don't fancy anyone in it for his own anything. I just want to No, it's, not, it's too short. I told you this, it's too short. I don't like short men like six foot. No, anyway, we'll move on. Um, Peter Wesley's. <laughs> <laughs> Nice on the week standard. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the two dots, was it brilliant working with Pat Charlton? Fantastic. I mean, I've known him slightly for years because I shared a fact with his son David for many years. Lovely David Trout. And, uh, and in fact, I was David's best man in his wedding. But he and his dad weren't on the best of terms at those times, so I didn't see a lot of him. But to work with him, I mean, for me, he was the governor. Uh, Pat was the well, the senior living doctor, but also the one who did the difficult job. Yeah. We had a Doctor Who, someone said, I know, let's regenerate him. So another actor plays it and we go, oh wow, he's regenerated. And it worked. It worked because Patrick is a superb actor. Came up with a wonderful characterisation. And we all went, oh, isn't he lovely? And I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you, but to Patrick Trout. If he hadn't done a good job, we wouldn't be here now. So he was the governor. Now, I was a bit nervous then, 
when Two Doctors started, mm -hmm. um, I nerves, but I was kind of in the presence of a senior, mm -hmm. and I felt I, I had to prove myself. And he was very sweet, and very generous, and said nice things. So put me at my ease, and we got mm -hmm. on very well. And we we played jokes on each other, and he was great fun. You can see on screen. I don't know if anyone else thinks that, but you watch it on screen. You can. It looks like you're just all having a buzz. You're having a yeah. real good time. It comes across in the story. And we got to film in Seville, which was mm -hmm. lovely in the summer, and, and stay in nice hotels. And I've never done a job with. Yeah. Every job I've ever done, where there was wonderful location, I was the one character that didn't go on it. So they all came back from Bermuda going, oh, didn't we have fun <laughs> for the studio stuff? And I'm going, yeah, yeah, great. And I did War and Peace in 1971, and everyone went to Yugoslavia, which was a nice place to go to then, and I didn't go. And they then decided a year later that I should have been there, and they remounted several scenes, and I filmed them in Luton. Luton <laughs> <laughs> Who House, which was taken home, and they sprayed about 50 acres with foam to make it look like snow and look like Russia. And I could have gone to Yugoslavia for And months. you went to Luton. I went to Luton instead. Anyway, in two doctors I got to go to Seville mm. and boring story, they the, the wigs got lost in transit. <laughs> I want you to know I did not wear a wig, but Cessini and Dastari and people like that all had wigs. So we couldn't do any filming. There wasn't any stuff we could do in which Because the wigs had gone missing. Yeah. So for three days we sat in this hotel in Seville in a beautiful summer with a pool and a bar and we didn't know what to do. <laughs> so we got in the pool and we played, you know that game where someone sits on your shoulders and you wrestle yeah. to make someone fall over? Well, it was doctors and companions against each other, so, wow. so Pat had... Uh, Pat, had <laughs> Pat had Jamie on his shoulders and I had Perry on mine. <laughs> Really bad experience. Awful experience. Awful experience. <laughs> and then Pat said, Should we swap companions? No. No, <laughs> no it's not fair, you can't do that. <laughs> and then we went on to your Dalek story written by Eric Sayward. Yes. Any thoughts on Revelation of the Daleks? Um, it's a strange story because we were in the 245 minute format. Yeah, yeah. When it's edited down to the old half hour format, I'm not in episode one. The first. In, 20 yeah. minutes or something, yeah. it all takes place on the planet and I'm not there, Nicola and I land and we go trudging through the snow and have that silly thing climbing over the wall and then the statue falls on me. The doctor's remarkably absent mm. from the story, so it was kind of unsatisfying. And I hadn't noticed that until Pip and Joe Baker pointed out to me mm. that that was the case, because they were great. I saw them uh, this week because I was recording the um, DVD commentary for Mark of the Rani with Kate O'Mara and Nicola, which, which, would be, which is yeah. very fun. Yeah. And uh, Pip and Jane were the ones who pointed that out. They said they didn't like the story because it's called Doctor Who. It's not yeah. called Joe Bell and the Planet of the... It, it just seemed like all the other characters were just explored and were on yeah. the screen and it was just like... And that was Eric going through his um, unhappiness phase. He and John Nathan Turner had fallen out at mm -hmm. that point, basically. They weren't on the same wavelength and, and Eric was kind of bitter and twisted. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, I was unhappy with Eric because we'd become sort of friends. He'd been over mm. my house, he'd sat at my table, he'd have lunch uh, and talk through his problems with John. And I tried to calm him down and explain that, you know, John was the producer and that 
know, you either have to do what the producer says or resign, but you can't stay there and moan and car. And later on, he kind of slagged me off in the fan media, Eric, by saying, I thought he was very unfair. He didn't think I was a good doctor, but he never said that to me when he sat in my house. So I think that's kind of tacky. So I, I, yes, I do have a vestigial irritation about Eric Stewart. I haven't met him since. I know she hasn't done much since. No. <laughs> department saying, okay, um, well, strictly we're supposed to pay you for the next year because you're under contract, but, well, it, it might come back. I said, well, in that case, tell you what, I'll ring you up every day and say, are you doing Doctor Who today? And if you say no, I can do what I like. If I get another job, that's fine. Well, I'm not sure about that. And they went to check with their lawyers, and their yeah. lawyers said, yes, he's quite right. <laughs> so they had to pay him for six months. <laughs> and, and my daughter had just been born, so I had paternity leave. Hey. Uh, to go see the BBC. And I did other jobs. So that was alright. Right. I quite like being paid not to do anything. <laughs> I could get used to it. Right, so it came back in two months. One of my bosses is still here somewhere. <laughs> Are you an expert at walking around with a file under your arm? Yeah. Look, looking yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. I used to that. When I went to the solicitor's office, I used to, around about half past ten, um, I'd pick up, I'd say, Have you got the so and so file? I'd get it and walk out with great energy off to the, the coffee. Mm -hmm. and, Go and meet my friends and then come back with great energy and do a couple of notes and put the file back. Okay. Very good. Anyway, so. This is being recorded. Oh no. Is this for the news or. <laughs> what is it for? Erica? This, this is for the promotional video for our apartment. That's your own one, is it? Right. It's our own one, yes. Right. This is our own one, yes. Right. Right. I'm going to be BBC News for all I knew. No, Colin, it's just me. You can hear the final part of that interview in our next podcast. Next time sees our very first Double Bill podcast. Episode 10 will focus on radiation and is a bit of a grim fest actually. So as an antidote to that, we'll be releasing episode 11 at the same time, which is our radiation antidote. Hope you can join us then. The Exton Moss experiment featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss, and the title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra. All featured television soundtracks are the property of their respective producers and no infringement of copyright is intended. The programme was recorded in Rushton, Lancashire and produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit our website at extonmossexperiment.blogspot.com or find us on Facebook.